Welcome to Motorsport Coaching, the podcast for racers with racers. Miss Motivate can help get you to the next level. Every episode, she talks to the best racers of today and those that can get you there. She'll help you get better. Racing new. At fitness, nutrition, sports psychology, sponsorship, social media, public relations, and media training. Connect with Miss Motivate at motivatetraining.com.au. That's M O T I V, the number eight, training.com.au. And now, to help get you to the next level, Miss Motivate herself, Belinda Risley. So, thank you too for joining us today at Motorsport Coaching. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, again, my name is Tim Laskus, and I'm a motocross mental performance coach here in the United States. Um, and my background, actually, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology, and I have many years of working in mental health. And um, going back prior to that, I grew up racing amateur motocross, and it was just a big part of my life. My dad and I were traveling every weekend and going to different amateur events around the country here in the United States. And and it was a great time. I mean, it's some of the best moments in my life that I've had with my dad. And and a lot of those lessons, you know, I kind of carried on through life. And I was able to utilize those in, you know, in just regular day situations and, and, and working and going to grad school when things were tough. Um, so back in 2014, I was looking for a place to ride that's local around where I live here in South Carolina. And I came across a training facility called Club MX, and it's pretty popular here in the States for uh, motocross racing. Um, and it's a training facility where uh, pretty much racers of many different ages, I would say from early teens all the way up into you know, mid-20s, um, they go and they live at this facility. And they have multiple tracks. They train. They uh, have a nutritionist there. They have uh, writing coaches, they have fitness coaches. And, and so I had contacted the owner, Brandon Haas, and I said, you know, hey, I used to race as an amateur and, and I would love to be able to, you know, help your guys. I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. And, and he's like, yeah, come on down. And, and I started working and, and I've been there ever since. And, and I just do it part time, but I really enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's just fun being back. You know, I'm not racing anymore, but it's almost like I am. I really get to live through, you know, my clients that I work with. So it, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it sounds like an amazing facility. I wish we had one of those here. Is it a franchise? <laughs> MX? It's not a franchise. Nope. They only have one facility. Um, but Brandon Haas is originally from Minnesota mm-hmm. in the northern United States. And he came down to South Carolina where it's a little bit you know, warmer. Uh, we don't have quite as brutal of a winter here. We, we may have a little bit of snow, but not much. And, and so they can pretty much train year round here. And so he came down with some investors and they opened up and uh, it's just really, really grown. And, and they've, you know, added all sorts of, of buildings, they even added a, a wakeboarding facility that's part of the training. So in the summertime, when the guys are, you know, it's 100 degrees out and after they've pounded out some laps on the trap that can go out and ride the, the wakeboard uh, course. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, they, they have, a, you know, a place, they have like little cabins where people can live in. Oh, wow. um, they, they have a number of kind of RV parking spots where they can pull in their RV or their motorhome or, you know, their trailer, whatever it is. Um, and so I, I think at full capacity, they're up to about 25 riders give or take that, that live there full time. That's part of the training facility. 
And then they also have a practice facility across the street uh, for people who are just want to come and ride and just kind of perfect their skills, but not be a part of the full-time uh, facility. And, and, you know, they're not really taking advantage of, of the coaches and the fitness trainer and the nutritionist and, and, and my services as a, mental, as a mental performance coach. But they, yeah. they have a lot to offer for everyone, yeah. And, yeah. We, and we have guys from around the world. We have people from, you know, South America, you know, Central America, from New Zealand, uh, Canada, I mean, all, all over the world. I think I mean, we have one guy that's from Spain now who's there. Wow. So, yeah, so the, the word has gotten out. So people are showing up from all over. No wonder you love going to work every day. It just sounds like it's a boys club. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I wish they had these facilities when I was growing up. And maybe I would have been a lot better in turn professional, but they didn't have it. So. <laughs> Who is it tailored for? Is it for the amateurs to elite or is it really for anyone? Like how do the 25 riders get established who get to train them? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's basically open to, to guys who really want to take up their, their – the writing skills to the next level. Um, many times we have kind of some early kind of newbie writers, uh, so-called to, to the, to the sport. And then we have some more advanced amateur writers who are getting ready to go into the pro ranks. And so they come here to really polish their skills so that they can take it to the next level. And then we have, um, kind of our tier of professional writers from around the world as well. And they come to, to work on their skills um, and we have new pros, and then we have more seasoned veterans. So we, we kind of have a wide range of, you know, really novice amateur riders, but, but very few of those. And then we have more advanced amateur riders, and then new pros, and then more seasoned veteran professionals. Fantastic. And is there many women? Um, occasionally there, there are a, a couple. Um, yeah. Not a lot, but, yeah, there are a few that do show up and, and – uh, you know, they go out and, and they train just as hard or hard, if not harder than, than the guys, for sure. Oh, without a doubt, trying to. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, you've worked with some of the fastest riders on the planet. What would you, what work do you do exactly with them? Yeah, uh, it depends on the rider. Um, you know, every, every person is different and they have different skill sets and different needs. Um, and so I work with him or her based on, you know, what is going on with them at, at, at the moment. Um, in general, I mean, it, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the things that we do, it, it could be that um, let, let's take a, a new professional and who maybe they just signed a, their first professional contract. And so there is a lot of pressure for them to perform for a new team of uh, sponsors. And there's, there's a lot of money on the line. Um, and then, you know, there's fans and there's everybody that just kind of wants a piece of them. And they kind of get thrust into the limelight. And it's almost really overwhelming and and so they they struggle with with being able to, to ride as good as they did as an amateur before they turn pro because they they get out there and they're just overwhelmed by everything that's going on especially in in supercross here in the united states where they they run these races within our our football stadiums and you know they see thousands of people and it's real a, a big spectacle and they have fireworks and they have a really kind of amazing you know entry into you know when it starts and and there's music and there's all kinds of, it's almost like going to a rock concert so to speak and it's just it's great for the fans but it's overwhelming for the new riders and they you know and they could sit on the line and they could look up into the stands and see you know thousands and thousands of people just screaming and yelling and and they it, it's just at times it's hard for them to focus so it's it's difficult for them to maintain 
that that deep kind of slow breathing and that's one of the things that I really work with them is is their breathing and to help regulate that to keep their heart rate low so that when the gate does drop and they're competing that their their adrenaline is just not flooding their system you know then, then their muscles start to lock up and then they kind of get this they call it kind of brain fog when you get overstimulated and and they can get tired really easy even though they're in the best shape of their, their lives Many times, if they allow that anxiety to get out of control, it just it creates havoc, and they just go out and perform poorly. And after the race is over, they're scratching their head going, I don't know what happened. I've been training. I'm in shape. I know what I'm doing. And everyone around them who sees them training goes, yeah, you are. I don't know what's going on. And a lot of times, it's mental, and something has happened, and they've just been overwhelmed with, with the situation, and, and they couldn't handle it. And, it, and it's normal. It's more common than that a lot of people, you know, would, would assume. So you mentioned that a lot of your work is conducted online. So how do you address mm -hmm. those issues if you're not actually seeing them perform on that evening? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's a great question. When I when I initially started um, working at Club MX, I would drive there. It's about two hours away. And so I was doing a lot of commuting. And it was becoming very taxing and because I do other things. I also teach and and I'm a psychologist as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I started thinking there has to be a, way to work, a better way to use technology to be able to work with these riders. And so I started working with them over the phone because a lot of my pro guys would travel either to Canada or sometimes depending on when, where the next couple of races are going to be, they may go out to California for a few weeks. And so if I was only seeing them in person, then we would miss out. So I started utilizing, you know, phone sessions. And, and so that has worked well because a lot of times, and even when I would show up to clubs, sometimes they, they would get pulled away by other obligations from their team or maybe they had a photo shoot somewhere or something came up and then we would just miss our session. But with, with the phone, it's, it's easy for us to, many times it's late at night where we can connect and I can talk with them. And so the benefit is they can be anywhere and I can be anywhere and it really works for us to still stay connected. Now, the, the downside to that is if we're only talking, sometimes I miss out on those kind of body language or being able to, to kind of visually see them. You know, maybe over the phone they're telling me, hey, I'm doing great, I'm feeling good, but their body language is telling me something different. And as a psychologist, I'm taking everything in and I want to match is, you know, is it what you're saying and how you look and present to me? Is it all kind of matching up? But I've gotten pretty good to be able to kind of read their voice to kind of tell if, if they're really just trying to put on a show for me or, or whatnot. Um, but after I've worked with a, a number of writers for a while, I kind of pick up on, you know, little nuances of, of their behavior and their, and their mood and, and how things are really going. So that's worked out really well. Um, another thing that I do with the guys is to do kind of, I call it a telegroup, where uh, every Wednesday with all the writers who are at Club MX, they'll go into a clubhouse. So they have a big clubhouse there and they have a large flat panel screen TV and they'll project me onto the TV using my iPhone. So they will call me on my iPhone on using FaceTime. And so they will project me on the TV and I can see them on my phone. Although I, it's hard for me to see cause they're very small, but they can see me, you know, in large with their big screen TV. And so I'll run a group, you know, that way. And, and that's been really beneficial as, as well. Um, 
but again, a lot of times I can't see everybody in the group. I can only see where, you know, they, the camera is. And so I don't get a good wide kind of, you know, snapshot picture of everyone, but um, it's worked out well. And I think the guys have really enjoyed it. So I've lately tried to utilize more technology in the work that I do. And I think it's really worked out. Um, it, it, at times it's difficult if you're used to just doing groups, you know, in person or you're used to doing individual sessions in person, but um, you, you just get used to it. And, and I think technology is, is something that, that is very beneficial and uh, it's helped me to stay connected. And, and so really there's no reason, you know, why I shouldn't, uh, you know, be talking with, with my riders because they can be anywhere in the world if they have an internet connection or a phone. And I mean, and it's amazing. I've even talked to some of my guys when they're at the airport, yeah. you know, they're waiting for their flight. And so if, if I wasn't using the phone, I we wouldn't have a session for that week. And, uh, and so that's worked out well. Now you would ask about, you know, me not being able to see them ride. Well, a lot of times I'm able to watch, at least for my pro guys, I can watch them race um, on the television over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, my guys are racing either in, depending on the season, either in the Monster Energy Supercross or the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, which is televised here in the United States. And you can watch it anywhere in the world. So, um, you know, a lot of times I'll just watch it. I'll pull it up on my computer and I'll watch the races. So I know how they've done. And so then, you know, the, in a couple of days after the race, you know, when we talk, I'll say, okay, I watched your race, you know, tell me what was going on, you know? And, and, and so I, and I kind of pretty much know, you know, how, how well they did and what some of the issues are, but depending on the camera and, and what was picked up and what wasn't, I don't know everything, but I let them fill in the blanks and it's, and it's worked out well. And would you say the most common problem they're coming to you with is that brain fog that you mentioned before? Yeah, um, I would say a big part, especially for the new guys. Um, sometimes the, the guys will, maybe even the more seasoned ones, they, they get to maybe having some issues with burnout. And, and in any sport in, in, or even profession, you've been doing it long enough you get to the point where you're like, oh, this is becoming a drag. It's not fun anymore. Um, it's not as exciting. And so those are some of the issues I'll have with more of the seasoned veterans and, um, you know, and, and second guessing themselves. And also, especially when contracts come up and it's time for them to maybe get re-signed or maybe not. And that's very, very stressful. And, and so for them to have someone that they can talk to and, for me, I'm probably one of the first people that they, or maybe the only person in many of their lives that they can talk to me in a confidential way where I don't, I have no invested interest in how well they do. I mean, yeah, of course I wish them all well, but if, if you look at it, say they're their team owner, you know, who pays them, they pay them a lot of money and they pay them a money because they expect them to go out and win and perform. So there's an expectation. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of fans. What did the fan, the fans have expectations? They're going to go out and perform. Yeah. Um, you know, their sponsors, their, their yeah. gear sponsors or whatever it is that they're getting paid for, you know, those sponsors have expectations. You know, we want you to go out and perform, show our product, get up on, you know, on the podium and, and anything that's, you know, out of first, second or third is, is not good. And so, you know, they're just being pulled in many direct, different directions. And, and even their family and friends many times have expectations of them. 
And so I'm one of the first people that they have in their lives that I have no expectations. You know, I, I don't expect anything from them. If, if, they, if they win, great. If they come in last place, that's okay. I'm still there for them. And, and they kind of feel that, that it's a really a breath of, kind of a breath of fresh air, so to speak, because they, they, they've never had that. Um, and, and they also have trust issues. You know, it's, especially with the way social media is, anything that they say, that if they sneeze the wrong way, you know, people are tweeting about it. Or, or and, and so we, we have a contract that says that everything that we talk about, we discuss, that share, is totally confidential. And they're just like, what? What, what does that mean? And, and, and so once I explain it, and they go, oh, that is great, because they're all, they, they have very, yeah, they have a small circle of friends because yeah. they don't trust anyone. And, and so, and that's one of the reasons that I will talk about who I work with. I just say, hey, I work at Club MX. You could go online and you could find out who's trained at Club MX, okay. you know, and you could try to put pieces together, but I'm not going to tell you who I've worked <laughs> with. But for many of them, it's really worked out well. And what are some of the strategies um, that you've helped them implement or taught them about dealing with, um, you know, the overwhelmness of, of the, the sport, of the expectations that people put on them? Yeah. Um, a, a lot of times they're thinking too much into the future. Instead of thinking about, okay, what is in front of me right now? Um, and, and I think looking too far into the future puts a lot of stress on them. And it doesn't allow them a, a couple of things. One, it, it doesn't allow them to enjoy the moment. And they kind of miss what's going on. You know, they're, they're going to all these different races, these different events. And it's almost like a blur because they're never really even thinking about the race they're in. They're thinking about, okay, I have to finish or, okay, what's the next race or what's this or what's that? And they're just not enjoying it. So helping them to really enjoy the moment and, and to kind of just be mindful of, you know, where they're at. Okay. What is happening around you? Just focus on what's right in front of you at the moment. You know, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm, I'm eating my lunch in between the races. Okay. Then enjoy your lunch. Don't think about anything else. You know, just just enjoy the moment. Um, and then I have them kind of practice that because a lot of times their minds will, will race as far as, you know, they're, they're going a million miles an hour. They may be sitting and it looks like they're relaxed, but yeah. their mind is going, going, going. And so even though they're sitting, they're not really relaxed. And, and having them to be able to regulate their breathing, stay in the moment and enjoy, you know, just being there where they're at and just take it all in and, and also i think another thing is sometimes they feel like they can never say no to any, anyone yeah. and when they do that they get pulled in a lot of different directions and and you know yeah they need to take time for the fans they need to take time you know and and meet their contract obligations but they also need to set some time for themselves and, and to be able to get away and escape and say hey you know for this next 30 minutes you know, I just want to be alone. You know, I don't want anyone to bother me. And, and that's okay. And to help them understand that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you need that downtime. And I think it depends on the personality. Um, some riders who are more extroverts, meaning they just, they get their batteries charged by being around others. They don't really have that problem as much. They love to be out with the fans all the time, to be around friends and family and everybody all the time. It just energizes them. And there's other writers who are more introverts 
And so they can do the fan thing. They can be around lots of people, but they recharge their batteries by being alone and they need that time. So, you know, to be able to help them build in that, that extra 30 or 45 minutes of just a long time. It's like, okay, guys, nobody bother me. Let me go lock myself into the <laughs> over here and, and let me, let me recharge my batteries. And when I come out, then I'll do my thing. Yeah. And so to be able to work with them, you know, in, in that way is, is really important. And do you find that sometimes the introverts get targeted a lot more from the media saying that they're rude to um, fans, they're, they're the ones that will more or less come straight off their cart or bike and they go straight to their trailer, um, but that's how they deal with issues? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I think, like you said, I think they, they can easily miss. Yeah. Right, they could be easily misunderstood, and um, they could get a name for themselves in in a bad way because yeah. you know they may say, "Oh, well, they they," because sometimes they may appear arrogant or conceited or um, you know really just pompous, and and they they're just you know they just go there to make money, and then yeah. they just retreat, and they don't they don't give back to the you know to the sport. And, and, and there may be guys that have that attitude, but I think a lot of them many times are just misunderstood and they just love their quiet time. And, and they're probably, some of them are very shy and they don't even, they, they're not sure what to say in all situations and settings. So instead of being uncomfortable and putting themselves out there, they, they don't do it as much. They just kind of revert back. They, They go out to the track, they do their thing and then they go back and that's where they feel, you know, more comfortable instead of um, you know, being out there and, and just feeling, okay, I don't need to feel anxious um, you know, any, anymore. Racing makes me feel anxious enough. So, <laughs> so definitely they could, they could be misunderstood for sure. I think so. I have a few clients like that, hence the question. <laughs> now, Tim, as I consult to some of the race teams, um, what issues do race teams face when it comes to sports psych? Mm-hmm. I would say... Teams in general, when you think of a team, there's, there's a team consists of many people. And when you have many people, you have different personalities and then you have communication. And so when you have people with various personalities and they come together, many times they also have different ways of communicating. And probably one of the biggest problems that, excuse me, that happens on teams is poor communication. You know, someone gets their feelings hurt someone says oh i can't believe the way he talked to me or you know i went up and asked a question and he he just ignored me or or whatever it might be i think if teams all took a personality assessment as a group and and they have these that are kind of fun to do and many times they're used in business settings and they're quick and they're easy they're not like clinical uh you know assessment tools but they're more fun. They're, they're personality assessments built for kind of the workplace. And people really start to see, okay, how do I like to communicate? And how do I like to receive communication? It, everybody kind of learns that. Okay, let me learn about myself. And then let me learn about how I like to communicate. And then you get to learn about everyone in their team. And so you learn that, okay, Bill is someone who likes his quiet time. And he's just very blunt and he doesn't mean anybody any harm. He doesn't mean to be rude and, and kind of cranky all the time, but that's just his style of communicating. And when people kind of learn these different little, you know, personality quirks and issues about each other, a lot of times we don't get offended. 
Um, and, and I think that happens a lot is when people have miscommunication, um, they get offended easy. And then what happens when you get offended and you feel like someone's treated you wrong or they didn't respond the way that you expected, then the walls go up. And then, and then it's like, hmm, everybody's got their arms crossed and then everybody's defensive. And, and so, and then it just, I, I just think communication is, is the biggest key to, to a team being able to, to function. And many times teams can do well when the rider's doing well. You know, they're winning races, everybody's happy, it's great. But when things are, right, when, when there's mechanical problems and the, the bike's breaking or the rider's not really living up to the standards of the team, then everybody's pointing fingers, you know, then you start to see the real crankiness come out. And, and that's when people really need to choose their words wisely and communicate in a better form than, than when they're racing, when everybody's happy. And do you have any strategies or tips for husbands and wives that work together? Mm. <laughs> when it's well, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, when husbands, well, I guess as far as when it comes to working as a husband and wife, don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe doing the personality test as well. <laughs> yeah, no, they really should. I think husbands and wives definitely should do the personality test. And, um, Happy married. One is fun. It takes a long time. It's called the MBTI, Myers-Briggs type inventory and it's used in business a lot but um but i think they have some kind of shortened editions but yeah many times husbands and wives definitely it comes down to communication you know and and they and it's tough because when you're working together and you see each other in a work setting or or out in the field somewhere at a track and then you come home and you see each other and it's it's like there's just like this big blur you know of interaction and everything just there's no real clear kind of your roles are just blurred into each other well you know maybe one of you is is a manager and the other is this and then you get home and you know then you're the wife or you're the husband or this and that and a lot of times things that are happening at home if, if things are kind of a little bit shaky they can get easily get carried into the you know, to the track or to the workplace and vice versa. Things are going when you're working together and some things happen that made someone upset. Well, then it usually kind of comes home <laughs> and then you, then you still have those residual effects as well. So I think it's really good. A, a good thing for a husband and wife team is to say, Hey, whatever happens while we're working together, we leave it at, as our work thing. And whatever happens as, you know, as husband and wife, let's leave it at home. And let's, you know, let, let's just stay, whenever I do something, let me know and vice versa. Let's talk about it. Because I think that's one of the biggest things with, with uh, you know, husbands and wives is communicating is fine. And even arguing is, is okay because they're, they're still communicating. But it's when, it's when the walls go up and then they stop communicating. Yeah. You know, then, then that's a real problem. And then that's when the red flags, you know, are, <laughs> are, are, are there. It's like, whoa, okay. You know, when, they're, when they're, their silent treatment's been going on for not hours, not days, but now it's weeks, it's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, <laughs> definitely there, there's some issues. So it's tough. It's a challenge. It is, but it is a very common challenge. So thank you for answering yep. that question. Oh, for sure. So, Tim, obviously you're very passionate about what you do. What do you love most about your role? I love the flexibility. Um yeah, you know, I'm someone who's, I was never diagnosed with ADHD, but I, I get bored really easy. And so 
you know, with my training as a clinical psychologist, um, I'm able to do a lot of different things, with, which I do. You know, I, I, I'm an instructor. I teach at a local university. You know, I'm also the mental performance coach with the, at Club MX. Um, I'm also a, a licensed psychologist, so I do contract work. Um, and then, you know, now I have my online course. So I, I really like that flexibility that I can do many different things. And um, I think if I had to j just do one of those, I would probably get bored really easy. So for me to do a variety of things, now my wife says I really need to settle down because I'm doing <laughs> way too much. And, and, uh, and so she doesn't understand it, but she's great because she lets me just kind of, you know, do my thing and, and, and whatnot. But I, yeah, to, to answer your question, I just like the flexibility. I like to be able to do many different things. And, and even with, you know, working with my riders, you know, sometimes I'm, I can talk to them at 10 o'clock at night, yeah. you know, or, it might, or it might be eight o'clock in the morning. And, and I'm great. I love that. I love that it's not, you know, just kind of a set schedule where, where I talk with them. Other people may not like that. They may not like, you know, this, this kind of wild flux of times that, you know, working late in the night or working early in the morning. But I, I love that. It keeps me going. And what do you find is the most challenging issues you face in the business? Is it the, the flexibility? Is it the amount of time that you can't have doing this role or the the times that the drivers are drive riders, sorry, are actually away. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say there's just not enough time in, in the day. Um, you know, my wife and I, we have a young son, and he's he's four, and, and you know, it's he's just so much fun, and he's starting to ride motorcycles and and whatnot, and, and uh, so he he's he's so much fun. And over the weekend, we started playing golf together, so I bought him a small little golf club, and so we went to the driving range together. So now he's like all crazy and took off. So I think for me, just, I have to kind of reprioritize my time. And, and, and in fact, I have, I've really limited the number of, of individual clients that I, that I have as, as riders that I talk to just because, you know, the family life is, is so important. And I want to try to, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you don't have a good balance of work life, but I'm working on it. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges is for me to, to have a better balance of you know spending time with my wife and with my son as well as as working because I can easily become a workaholic and just work all hours of the day and night and and then you know lose track of time and so that that's a challenge for me and of course that's because you have just been busy working on your new co coaching course so do you want to yeah do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. You know, I was so excited to develop this. And when I told my wife I was going to, you know, develop an online course, she goes, oh, no, another project. Uh, yes. and, and I'm like, yes, no, really, this is great. No, And I'm like, this, this is exactly right. I'm like, you know, my, my schedules are crazy right now because it all requires time. And in order to build a course, yes, I need a lot of time, but it's in the beginning because once I get it going, then it just kind of, it, you know, it, it just it goes, it works itself. Okay. Um, so, but anyway, no, I had a number of people come up to me and, and um, they asked me like, how do you become a motocross mental performance coach? And I'm like, well, you know, the way I did it is probably not how many other people would do it. Most people don't want to go, to, you know, to get their doctorate and spend, you know, five years in graduate school and go into, you know, a lot of debt. Um, and so after I had a number of people you know, ask me that question and, and I started thinking, I'm like, 
there really is no training program for people to become a mental performance coach. I have a lot of people who come up to me all the time who want my services and I turn them down and I'm like, I'm, I'm full. I really can't. And so that kind of got the wheels spinning and I said, okay, I need to create a standardized program because I've been teaching in a university level for over 10 years, uh, teaching graduate students how to become counselors. And so they're almost like psychologists, uh, but they're, it's just a two year degree. And so they'll go back to school for two years and then they can come out and become licensed counselors. And so they work in the mental health field. And so, you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, if I can teach them how to do that, I know I can teach, you know, others how to become a motocross mental performance coach. And so I just started putting the course together, writing ideas down. And after a couple months, I was able to really formulate it and put it together. Um, and, and I had some help with people to be able to build the website for me and, and get the course up and going. And so now it, it finally is launched and I have students um, from several different countries, from Canada, from the United Kingdom. Um, and it, it's just been, it's great. So uh, yeah, I, I love it. And you know, I, I'm hoping that you know, other students will be able to, to get involved to really see that, you know, hey, if, if they're in the motocross uh, you know, industry and they wanna learn some new skills, maybe they're a riding coach or maybe they're a fitness trainer, I think it's it's important for them to have a new skill set to be able to help their their riders and you know when you and I had talked earlier about you know the different types of motorsports and a lot of it applies whether it's car racing or go-kart racing or motocross or any other kind of you know motorcycle or engine driven type of competition uh, a lot of people can benefit from you know the the tools that I provide and can you tell us a little bit about those tools? Because I was really impressed that one of the um, modules was actually the business side of things on how to promote yourself to be a coach and how to get your first client. So can you tell us a little bit more in depth about what the course actually is? Yes, does? absolutely. There are 17 lessons. Um, and out of those lessons, 12, 12 of the lessons have quizzes. And then at the very end, there's a final exam. There's a 50-question exam. Um, but when I put together the lessons, I really wanted to give someone all the tools, not just kind of teach them, okay, well, you know, how do you work with a rider? And if this issue happens, you know, these are some of your go-to tools that you can use with, with him or her. Um, because that's kind of what I got when I went to graduate school. It's like, okay, I learned how to work with people who have mental health issues. Um, but then once I got out there and, and to be able to start a private practice, no one ever taught me, okay, well, how do you start a business? Well, okay, how do you go out and get a license? How do you even uh, market yourself? No one taught me any of that information, and it's almost as important as the actual, you know, having the skills to work with someone. Um, and so I really wanted to encompass kind of the A to Z of, all right, what is a motocross mental performance coach? Let me give you the basic definition. Now let's go into it, and let me teach you all the skills and my go-to you know, really tricks of the trade for a variety of problems. Now that you have that, now let's go into, you know, how do you set up your coaching business? And we go through, you know, many different steps of that. Then I go into marketing. How do you actually find your first paying client? Because I think that's a big hurdle. And it's for many people, they're very intimidated about that. They're like, okay, this is great. I can learn this new skill set. But how would I find anyone to even work with? And so, you know, I really focused a lot on that is how do you find 
your first paying client. And so I included that in there. So it really is the A to Z of, of you know, online you know, kind of a course so that someone is very competent in not only with working with racers, but also, you know, feeling good that they can go out and start their own business. And I also added another component of that. Many times when we learn a new skill set, we, we have this imposter syndrome. We, we, we start to second guess ourselves. We're like, okay, yeah, I learned this stuff, but I, can I really do it? You know, and, and so I talk about that within the course as well, is that this is a common thing that, that happens. You're going to second guess yourself. You have a new skill set and you're trying to go out and, and sell your new skills. And you ha- we all have this kind of little recording in the back of our mind going, you don't know what you're doing. What are you, or, you know, you can't work with anyone or you'll never find anyone. You know, the kind of this negative, you know, some people have that and, and they just don't have a lot of confidence in to be able to go out and really sell themselves and to pick up some new clients so that they can show them, yeah, they do know what they're talking about. Fantastic. Now, you've just had the first intake. Um, how's the course going to be run? Is it going to be intakes per year? Is it an evergreen course? Or how can people find out more about the course? And Yeah, the, the course, if they go to coachwherever.com, so that's coachwherever.com, and uh, it, it's right there. And once they sign up for the course, it's lifetime. And so there will always be updates. I'm always adding videos. Um, right now, it's a combination of you, you can take it any time of the day or night, depending on where you live. I mean, it's self-paced. It's online. So I, I see some of these new colleges and universities kind of selling their online courses. And you could be in your pajamas taking your course. And it's it's kind of the similar thing, but I don't know who would want to sit in pajamas and, but I mean, maybe they would, but anyway, um, yeah, it's online. It's self-paced. It's part where you read through the material there's videos as well. Uh, there's PDF forms that you actually use with your clients. Um, and all the information that, you know, I could think of that would help you be successful. And so I continually go through the course, um, every month and I'm adding new, uh, skills. I'm adding new videos and new things that I think are going to be helpful uh, for people who are going through it. And they'll always have access to it. So it's lifetime and there's a 30 day money back guarantee. So you could actually take the course, you know, and, and go through it for 30 days and learn everything. And then, and you're like, oh, I don't want it. And I'll give you money back. It doesn't matter. My wife and other people said, you're nuts. You gave them 30 days for it. I'm like, no, I believe in it so much. If they really, if someone wants to do that, fine, I'll give them their money back because I want people to really feel like they got a lot of value. And that that's, to me, that's very important is I want to pack it with as much value as I can so that, and it's not just about the money. I want people to feel like they really have those skills when they, when they sign up and they go through this course, I want them to feel like, Hey, they could go out and benefit and help other people. And that's the most important thing. Um, I really don't want people who want to take the course and just get a certificate and then do nothing with it. You know, I want people to go out and use this um, because it is about their valuable tools in there. And, and if you're really motivated and you're passionate about helping others, and, and I think that's one of the most important things. If you're passionate about helping others reach their goals, then this is the course for you. If you're, if your only focus is to go out and just make money and, and, you know, and just start charging people left and right, then this isn't the course for you. Cause that, that's really not the focus. 
And so it's tailored for coaches at the moment. Would there be another course coming out for riders and drivers in the near future, Tim? <laughs> you know, there possibly could be. Absolutely. Um, you know, you never know. Um, it's no. Certainly. But I think a lot of the skill set really, regardless if you're on two wheels or four wheels, really translates into both, you know, both of those worlds. Um, but I do have a plan um, for teaching more of my kind of advanced how to run groups. Because I think that's another skill set um, that's a little bit different than just working with someone one to one. But when you're actually running groups and, and how to work with a variety of riders, like some of my groups are you know 25 plus riders, and and that could be intimidating for a lot of people. So that that's going to be kind of an advanced course that that's in the works. Fantastic. And through your experience, Tim, at what stage of one's racing career do you think they need to engage with a coach, whether it's physical or mental coaching? Is it an age thing, do you think, or is it certainly a career development step? That's a great question. I think it depends on the rider. Um, I've had some parents come up to me and, and say, hey, I would like you to you know, work with my son or daughter. And, and, and they're still young, you know, maybe early teens or whatnot. And, and after talking to them, to the riders, and they're like, eh, I don't really know. I wouldn't force it on anyone. You know, I think the rider has to be ready. I, I don't think it's any good. It's not uh, time well spent for the rider, or, and especially it's not time or money spent by, by the parents to be able to kind of force, you know, their, their young rider, you know, to have a mental performance coach. I, I think the, the person needs to be ready. They need to be able to, to see value in it and to recognize Hey, there's some things I need to work on. Um, certainly, if if their their rider came to them, either the riding coach or their parent, and they're so like, oh, I'm you know always nervous on the line, you know, I just I really need some extra help with this, you know, and then they reached out. I think that would be appropriate. But um, everyone is different. There there are some amateur riders that can just do phenomenal as an amateur, and they never really need a lot of help when it comes to mental performance coaching as an amateur until they get to that pro level. And then once they hit that pro level, things change and they just have a really difficult time adjusting. And then there's other riders who really need that assistance as, as an amateur growing up that really gets them to the top of the amateur ranks and then they have an easy time within the pro. So it, it all depends on the individual, it depends on the rider, um, you know, when they should really utilize someone. But again, I think it depends on the rider when they recognize that, hey, they, they have some issues that they need to, to work on. Fantastic. And one of those resources um, that you have available for people to get um, more education around success in sports and business is your own podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What types of conversations do you have on your podcast? Yeah, the podcast is called The Tim Laska Show. And when I started this podcast, I've had 100 episodes and and when I started it, it was all about success. And so I, I have interviews with some of the most successful people in business, entertainment, and in sports. And there's a common thread that really transpires through those who are successful. And it doesn't matter whether it's in business or sports or entertainment. I love to hear those stories. You know, I, I kind of grew up um, you know, just wanting to, to read books about successful people. And, and then, you know, within the last couple of years, listening to some other podcasts that had, you know, success stories 
And I thought, wow, I would really like to have that as well. But a lot of times they were either just, you know, business podcasts or maybe they were just the only sports podcast. So I really kind of combined, you know, all the worlds together. And um, it, it was really fascinating because I've had some conversations with some great people, you know, within the sport of, of motocross um, and even some uh, kind of industry leaders within motocross who are in the business side but are well known within the sport. And to be able to bring their stories, you know, to the public and for others to hear, how did they get to where they were to the top of, of, of that mountain, you know, whatever that was. And, and it just, you know, it's about, for me, it's about giving back. When I went back to school to become a psychologist, it's because I wanted to help people and I wanted to give back, you know, to, to people. Um, and the podcast is an extension of that as well. It's like, if I can share an inspiring story with someone and you can learn something from it that motivates you, and get you fired up or you know you learn a little a little trick or tip or something that gets you to that next level then you know it, it's well worthwhile and that was really my focus for, for being able to do that is to you know not only motivate people but also to provide them with some real actionable advice fantastic and tim can you recommend any resources paid or free that competitors can look uh, into more for mental performance yeah, and, and that's tough to come by when, you know, that Racer X um, has a virtual trainer. It's a, it's a motocross industry uh, platform. Um, they, they have a, a publication, um, a magazine uh, for motocross racers, and they have an, their own online website, and it's called the Virtual Trainer. And they offer a variety of tips on there from like physical training tips to even mental uh, training tips as well. And actually I'm going to be writing some articles for them very shortly. And so I'm pretty excited. And that was one that I had kind of found, you know, recently um, over the last couple of months that I thought was great. And to be able to, to learn some, um, some get some actionable advice from some of the top trainers in the motocross industry. And, uh, and so I loved it. And then I reached out to them and I'm like, Hey, I'd like to, you know, offer my advice as well so they said yes so that you do it in all your free spare time <laughs> all my free yeah all that i have i don't know if i told my wife about the virtual trainer say, thing. Off with the if she if she hears this podcast then she'll know about it so i'll have to keep that on the day i forgot to mention that to her <laughs> let's keep that quiet <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time today um before you go our final question on every podcast is what is your favorite track in the world my favorite track in the world oh boy um i would say it, it would have to be muddy creek raceway in tennessee in bluntville tennessee i grew up racing there as, as an amateur and now they they hold uh professional natural uh national events there i was there watching the, the pros race this year um and it's just a natural terrain track and i, and I love it. it it's built um kind of in between two mountainsides. And so the track just winds up and down. It's really natural terrain. It's really fast. Um, and it's just a beautiful setting. And I always love going up to Tennessee and, and being in the mountains. And so uh, that's one of my favorite places for sure. Oh, fantastic. Lovely answer. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Tim. Uh, all the information around regarding Tim's course will be in the show notes. And what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, um, on Facebook, it's um, Coach Wherever or Tim Laskis, L-A-S-K-I-S. -S. 
or by email at tim at timlaskis.com and of course at coachwherever.com. Um, there is a way to reach out the contact page there as well. Well, thank you, Tim. We look forward to seeing what happens in the next installment of the coaching course. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for having me. It was a blast. Thanks, Tim. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at motivate T. Until next time, take care. Get ready for the race. Do you feel one step closer to being the next superstar behind the wheel? Motivatetraining.com.au for more. M-O-T-I-V, the number eight, training.com.au. The green flag. Every episode gets you one step closer to the checkered flag. The Motorsport Coaching Podcast, getting you to the checkered flag faster.